Welcome to Mind and Money, the podcast brought to you by Interactive Investor, where we talk about how your personality and psychology can affect your financial decision making. We're joined again today by Greg Davis of Oxford Risk, and we're going to be talking about the thorny subject of living inheritances, how parents should give and how children should receive them. Greg, I'm going to start with a difficult issue for parents of adult children. Um, who are considering giving them um, a living inheritance, but may not know when is a good time to offer that, and maybe wondering um, if they could have a little bit of help deciding. Well, yeah, this is a very interesting question, and it's one I, I have to confess where I don't think there are any universal right answers. Uh, I think it depends enormously on the circumstances and on the individual uh, and the individual personalities of the children involved. Um, but that said, I mean, clearly in many countries there are tax advantages, inheritance tax advantages from uh, from you know gifting uh, while while you're still alive. But also more than that, it it makes logical sense to a number of degrees of of making capital available to people while they're still young enough to make good use of it, while they're still young enough to deploy it, rather than it sitting um, effectively. You know, lying stagnant, uh, waiting for uh, for someone to pass it on after their death. So there's more to this than tax planning. When we typically talk about um, inheritance and living inheritance, it's very much framed as a, a, a tax efficient decision. Um, but there is more to it than that. There's um, questions around, you know, if, if you give it to somebody too soon, does that affect their career choices? If you give it to them too late, is it too late to make any difference to their uh, future financial plans? And indeed, their, their children's um, financial futures too. Um, yes, yeah, so you need the sort of uh, the Goldilocks approach of, of in the middle, not too early and not too late. But I mean, here I, I really think that that personality matters an awful lot because you can think of of some people who, at a very young age, will be able to assimilate a lump sum of cash to deploy it on entirely sensible things to uh, for it not to affect their career choice. You know, some people are just more well grounded than others earlier on. Others. You might think who are you know living uh, impulsive and dissolute lifestyles until they're really quite old, and you might 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 not want to do it at all. So I think understanding your children and understanding some of their plans, and and of course communicating, talking to people, and uh, making sure that you you do understand. Um, how a lump sum gift might be utilized, what it would be utilized for. And there are better things that you might want your children to do and there are, and there are worse. And, and really a lot of that boils down to the distinction between investment and consumption. If this money is being passed on and it is being used to invest, and I don't necessarily mean just investing in stocks and shares, it could be investing in, in education, in human capital, it could be investing in um, building uh uh, security, building a a, um, a secure platform from which they can take other risks in their life. Um, so that, that safety blanket of, you know, having a having a safety net of, of cash set aside or having insurance in place in order for you to go and take the risks. These are all great reasons to do it. On the other side, you've got consumption. If you're using this money essentially, or you've feared that your children are going to use this money to, um, you know, Go on a round the world trip with nothing much to show for it. Have an awful lot of fun. There is no, there's no growth that comes out of that. So 
I think wherever it is being used in something that's going to itself generate future returns, then there's an argument to do it earlier. And where you think that's not going to be the case, then you might want to delay things. So clearly when uh, somebody's young, in their early 20s or their late 20s, you might be thinking, if I, if I give them a living inheritance, that's for a house purchase. That would be the automatic um, assumption there. Um, I mean, would it be a good idea if it's for a, for a house purchase to offer that money earlier so that they could benefit from future house price growth? They have more years to benefit from future house price growth. Or is there an age at which the, the, temp, the temptation to consume is too great? Um, and how prescriptive can you be, actually? Can you set conditions on living inheritance? I, I, th- I think that pres- being prescriptive about what it should be used for is a slightly awkward thing. Um, you know, because you're going on the one hand, I'm going to give this to you. It will be yours. But now let me tell you what you should do with what I've, I've made as yours. So I, I, there may be different opinions on this. But my feeling is if you're genuinely gifting money to people, then you're doing so uh, with the understanding that they will then go and do with that, you know, as they wish. Um, and it's quite difficult to hand over the reins of the money uh, and then try to still control it. Uh, and I think that leads to could potentially lead to an awful lot of uh, intra-family friction, etc. Um, you know, I, I come back to personality again. If there, there are things that people differ on, impulsivity is one. You know, some people are less impulsive, some people are more impulsive. If you know that about your children, where they sit on that curve, that will potentially uh, change that. The other one is um, uh, composure is something we often talk about in investing. Are you the person who is uh, able to take a lump sum of cash, put it to work in something that might be risky? Maybe you're putting it into a business idea as an entrepreneur. Maybe you're using it to invest in property. Maybe you're using it to invest in the market. But if if I know that you are an anxious and low composure individual who is likely to be made to to to, to be stressed by the entrepreneurial activity or, or, or the um, the stock market investing or whatever, I might not be doing you a favor in that case. And so I think understanding the personality of the of, of the person who's receiving this money uh, becomes extremely important in, in that sort of thinking. Is there any justification then um, thinking about that um, in offering the money in stages rather than as a large lump sum? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are many good reasons for that. Um, one is it, it enables a discussion to start happening um, between parents and and children, because you don't, you know, no, none of us know what our plans are for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And so the the fact that I get some capital at one point that I can then use to advance to the next stage, to explore my opportunities, um, to keep um on the career path I was on to keep educating myself, rather than getting a huge amount, I get a smaller amount that basically helps me up to the next rung on the ladder. And then more of it might might come later, which helps me to the next rung. So this has a number of effects. Once, one, it makes the parents more comfortable that they're not undermining their children's entire future existence and causing them to turn into um, you know dissolute spendthrifts for the rest of their lives. Um, and secondly, um, it means that you can start talking more openly with your children about the plans and what they, where their atten- intentions are. And so that money can actually become part of their exploration of where they want to in the, go in, in life without, um, uh, without drowning them in it, as it were. So I think that staging is a, is a very uh, 
a very useful way of, of approaching it and probably adds emotional comfort to the whole process on both sides of the fence. I mean, ha- having said that, though, is it the worst thing in the world if they if they do waste some of it? Is there a lesson to, to be learned there? And is that something not to be encouraged, but to just be on, you know, the perspective to be understood that that, that may happen and that that may benefit them, actually? Yeah, I agree. I mean, this goes back to the prescription thing. Um, you know, it's as, as you as you go through life and your children get older and older, you have to allow them to have the you have to give them enough rope to 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 make the mistakes. And the mistakes are are, are not a, a bug in the system; they're a feature. We have to make mistakes in in order to to learn and grow. But I think the the thing about the uh, the making mistakes is when you've got very young children. The, the space, the amount of rope you give them, the space you give them to make mistakes is relatively constrained and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as, as time goes on. And I don't see any reason why that doesn't carry over into adult children who may be in their I don't know, late teens, early 20s, late 20s, etc. Why still the staging could be a good thing rather than suddenly, oh, wow, here, have all the rope you like and, and, and then run the risk of them making some really big uh, life-changing mistakes, uh, the, 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 the gifting money in stages, and presumably in stages that ideally are starting relatively small and might be getting larger over time, assuming you've got the, uh, you know, the money to do that, that seems to me entirely in keeping with how people grow, how people explore the world, how they explore their careers and their lives, uh, and is a perfectly sensible way of going about it. That sounds very sensible, except I can see one flaw in this plan, which is if they know that those bigger lump sums are coming down the line, um, does that then devalue the smaller lump sums and make them more likely to waste them? And actually, in general, you know, if they if if children, even young children know that at some point, some large amount of money is coming their way, you know, that you know, that might disincentivize them in their careers, in their education. Yeah, yeah. I agree, and, and here I think I think that depends on the person. I can see two sides to this coin. Uh, one is merely knowing that that there is money coming in the future, uh, and that it is coming according to some staging and some plan for the right person, for the person who is planning ahead, who is thinking about how they approach their life. That can be very useful. It can help me to think. Well, you know, what do I do with my education? At what point do I start the business? And Etc. But I think if you, if someone is particularly impulsive or a spendthrift, etc., then the first thing to do is probably to delay the first tranche of of that giving, um, because you don't want to disincentivize this notion that um, you know people need to be taking responsibility for their own growth and their their own education, etc. Uh, and many uh, people who I think are extremely wealthy might do they might provide gifts but at the same time downplay the extent of that wealth uh, to their children simply because they don't want to know how comfortable their life will be at some point in the future in or, in order to uh, remove that that disincentive point there's quite a lot going on here which is why i say i think it really depends quite uniquely on the circumstances on the level of wealth on the personality of the, of the children etc and you know i think there there are this comes back to the, the use of the money. Now, of course, you might not be able to prescribe the use, but in knowing how much you're giving and tying that to particular uses, you might be able to 
unlock your children's capacity to move to the next stage or to invest in something that will move them onto the next stage earlier than they might otherwise without disincentivizing things. So for example, you might think that the first thing you might want to do is to give enough money to enable any investment in human capital uh, education, basically. So provide any money that enables them to, 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 to educate themselves and to build a financially safe platform from which to explore opportunities in their lives. So maybe help them to pay down debts, um, help them to put in place the medical insurance, uh, other forms of insurance. And what you've done there is you've, you've given them enough money to give them a strong launching pad rather than give any money that's going to be disincentivized. Now, of course, you, you might not be able to ensure that they're using the money for that purpose, but I do think that there, if you're having discussions with your children when you're doing it and you're saying, look, this is, this is what I would like you to use this money for and this is the opportunity, these are the opportunities it's going to unlock, then you've started a discussion, you've, 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 you've put your, your family finances on an open and transparent um, footing and all of that I think can be beneficial without actually at any point here have given, given enough money to have those disincentive effects necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I, I think talking about about it is is really important on both sides. And I wonder if, you know, there's this element of when is good for the parents to gift in terms of when that money is available um, and also when, when it's good for the adult children to receive it and I guess you only know that if you're talking openly about money which is something a lot of families find very difficult extremely difficult um, and it's the cause uh, you know cause of of, of masses of, of frictions between families of, of all sorts um, and this isn't only between generations of course you know couples not discussing finances openly with each other I think can be incredibly detrimental but if you don't talk and this isn't universal by any means, but I think a lot of parents think, oh, um, I know what to do with my money because you know I made this money in a way that my children simply won't. And I want to retain control of it. And you probably leave these things much later than would be ideal. Now, your children might not want to do the same things with your money that you want to do, but they, they are at least in a position to do something useful with it, to something that is investing in Growing a business, growing um, a family, you know, growing their, their education, etc. And I do think that only by talking about it will the older generation find in themselves the emotional comfort that they need to be able to start tra- start transferring money when it's still useful um, early enough. I think I think this is a really key point. It, you know, is there a point when it is actually too late for someone to to do a huge amount with it? Um, whether that's you know buying a second house, starting a family, starting a business, and is that the point where it becomes a conversation about giving to the grandchildren? Um, and are you know how do how do you how do you do that? Yeah, I, I think that is extremely common. Um, and you sort of bypass the parents altogether, which is fine. But then, of course, you, you've got the situation when the grandchildren are now extremely young. And, you know, this is where I, 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 I guess structures like trusts can be, can be useful. You, you're giving it to the grandchildren, but you're not giving them control of it. So there is a way there of involving all three generations in that potentially. Um, the, the parents, uh, the, uh, the, the grandparents 
are making provision for the grandparents. They are thereby alleviating potential some financial pressure on the on the parents um, uh, and and some of the responsibility, but and also involving the parents in the decision making for the grandchildren. So I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad way of going about it, but it you know it gets quite complicated quite quickly. And now you've got you know three generations needs to consider rather than just two. Um, and I think probably the better way of doing this is to is to start having the conversations earlier and start transferring uh, the capital earlier. And is there any benefit in writing any of this down? Um, you know, we're talking about having conversations and lots of things kind of being discussed, but, you know, potentially life-changing sums of money. Um, you know, do, do people need to write down if they, if they feel like they want a bit of reassurance from their children that the money is going to be used wisely? I, I think there's uh, an awful lot of benefit to writing things down. And, and that is not because it's going to be necessarily constraining in any legally enforceable way of, of what children are doing, but it's a way of um, avoiding misunderstandings. It's a way of being clear that things that might be misunderstood in verbal communications over a family dinner table when everyone's having a glass of wine, um, you know, that's the sort of thing where different people may remember that conversation differently five or six years down the line. And at a time when maybe for whatever reason at that point in their lives, this money now matters for something. And you start to have uh, misremembered emotional conversations causing flare-ups in the family. So I definitely think that the the action of sitting down, writing things down, trying to be clear with each other about what you have actually agreed to do um, is itself a form of commitment on both sides. But also, it's it's more than that. It's a it, it, it's a mechanism to remove future pain from the conversation. Um, it's also can be. I mean, writing things down can be a decision tool in itself. Uh, sometimes it's very difficult to know that you are being clear, even with yourself, about the decisions that you're enacting until you have taken the time to go. Can I actually write this down clearly? Because what feels clear in your head often isn't terribly clear when you try to put it into into written words on a page and you realise that there's a lot of ambiguity lurking in there. And um, thinking from the adult child's perspective, um, sometimes um, it's as though parents or grandparents actually need a bit of guidance themselves and it may be difficult to get that from a member of the younger generation um you know if you're thinking about tax and you're aware of inheritance tax implications and frozen allowances and that kind of thing but they might not be is there a way you can gently broach these subjects with the older generation uh, and are you aware of instances where you know it's been that way around rather than the parent instigating it, it's been the child yeah i mean i know of quite a lot of instances where it has been that way around um you know particularly where the 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 child is i don't know maybe involved in financial services so knows knows these rules i, I i've seen a lot of circumstances where um children have taken on a, an almost advisory role for their parents. And that typically doesn't start being about the inheritance. It's simply going, um, you know, let me help you to structure your finances so that it, it, it makes sense. And, and I've got this expertise because I've been working in a bank over here. And I think that's a, that's a gentle way of doing it is to make it 
really not about inheritance at all to start with. It's to do with, you know, sharing knowledge and, and, and helping people. And at some point that naturally comes on to the question of, hang on, you've got this big lump of cash here that you're doing absolutely nothing with. Uh, you know, don't you think maybe I could do something better with that over here? Um, but I, you know, it's really something that I don't think you want to do. Well, again, this depends on the family, but in the most cases, you, you don't want to be too pushy about that. And, you know, leaving inheritance leaflets pointedly lying around the house at the Christmas, you know, dinner, I'm not sure is going to enamor you to your, um, your elderly parents at that point. It's so difficult, isn't it? It could be so awkward. And I think it really does underline the need to have kind of open and honest conversations for as long as possible, you know, without putting um, that that money at risk or without changing the the child's life plans because they're expecting a, a big lump sum. And it's it's it feels like there's a very fine line to tread, um, both for the givers and the receivers. And um, it, it's it's just about, it comes back down to talking about it, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Communication, openness, being aware of where people may have flashpoints. I mean, some of the issues from the older generation are often, you know, the the sense of of pride and ownership of I'm, I made this money. Um, and you have to recognize that, that sense of achievement and ownership in those discussions. You know, the, the thing about money that is so frequently missed by classical finance theory is a pound over here is not the same as a pound over, over here. Money always comes with emotional labels attached. So, you know, a hundred pounds that I earned myself from my first job, you know, working means something different to me than a hundred pounds that I got given as a gift or a hundred pounds that I won in a casino. These emotional labels, of course, you know, money is completely fungible. A hundred pounds is a hundred pounds. It buys the same thing regardless of where it came from. But in the conversations and in the decision making, those emotional labels matter an awful lot. And unless we recognize in having these conversations across generation barriers that the other generation has a different set of emotional labels to the money that we're thinking about than you do, then you're going to hit a communication barrier, I think. And, and understanding um, the, the these emotional aspects of finance, who earned it, what they earned it doing, how they feel about it is is very important. Well, I mean, I think, you know, we've really highlighted a way that money can be a very emotional thing in this conversation and, and hopefully helps people think um, a little bit further about um, what, what can be a very sensitive issue. So thank you so much for joining us again for another very interesting Mind and Money. Feel free to like and subscribe. And there's lots more at ii.co.uk. See you next time.